Boss, can give me more data. I used up my quota. Boss, this phone is not working. I need a new phone. Boss, the new staff needs a phone line also. Boss! 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 There's so much to do and so little time when you're managing a business. With Maxis One Business Flexi, you can manage your employees' mobile plans easily, anytime, anywhere. Get the one solution that lets you focus on what matters most, growing your business. Visit maxis.com.my slash onebusinessflexi for more info. Boss, can I also get a Risa? This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. On last week's MSP, we learned that Matt has spent a lot of time thinking about ethics in technology, and that has made him miserable. One of the things that's made me miserable. <laughs> but when Matt is miserable, so are we. He's promised to end this week's on a happy note, hopeful happy note. But for him, making it to the end of the show alive seems to be about as hopeful as we get. Yeah, that's a good result for me, being alive at the end of the show. (laughs) Probably a good result for all of us as well, Matt. So last week, we were derailed by tech leaders and politicians and only a mention of blockchain brought us back to the path of positivity. So what else have you learned in 2018? What I've learned is that it's all about the clickbait. Fake news. Okay, um, you get one of those <laughs> and one only. Um, no, it's not fake news. It's artificial intelligence. Ah, what have you learned about AI in 2018? Well, I said it's all about the clickbait. It's all <laughs> about the sex robots. Um, seriously, I've been booked to talk so many times this year, conferences, other radio shows, always about sex robots. Well, it's nice to be an expert, right? That's the thing. I don't want anyone to think I'm an expert on sex robots or an advocate for them. It's really the the tiniest part of this whole debate about AI. Well, it's the only thing that makes AI interesting. Okay, you might have a point there, um, rather than barking fake news at me like a (laughs) senile dachshund as you did last week. But AI can be really hard to understand. You're right there. Um, People get very confused between robots, algorithms and artificial intelligence. And that's before we get to the various forms of AI, neural networks, machine learning, um, deep learning. You know, you can give a robot or an algorithm intelligence but they don't necessarily have them automatically. So Japanese fast food chain Lawson announced this week that it was trialing a deep-fried chicken-making robot in one of its Tokyo stores. Mm. Uh, that machine uh, won't be spending its downtime trying to figure out how mass could escape <laughs> from a black hole. Um, so I guess sex robots kind of fill that void. Why are sex robots such a dead end for you? When you think about all the uh, things that AI can do um, and all the uh, the problems inherent in uh, creating thinking machines, sex robots are such a tiny part of this enormous debate. So the field of AI is evolving at a colossal rate. You know, you hear a, a lot of uh, private tuition schools are offering young kids classes in programming AI. And you wonder if the machines are going to be programming themselves by the time these kids actually graduate. Mm. So the debate about AI's role in society is one that we've been very slow in having. You know, we're still stuck trying to sort out fake news, while technology that is already radically transforming the way we work and shop and access information, the way we trade, you know, thousands of other assets or facets of our lives has already been introduced. By stealth. Not necessarily by stealth, just, I think, unnoticed. I mean, I wouldn't say there's any conspiracy about this. It's just that we're introducing this very far-reaching technology 
in a very kind of blithe and disinterested way, in the same way that we just add a Wi-Fi chip to a toaster. Mm, that's terribly interesting. What about the sex robots? And that's kind of the point, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, who cares about the effect of making my smartphone truly smart? What I really want to know is when can I get a robot girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, the chatbots that a lot of companies now use for customer service can be incredibly realistic here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the whole debate about how we use AI and what artificial intelligence should be. You know, you can have a robot partner with or without artificial intelligence. The question is more of an ethical one. How sentient should that machine or any other machine actually be? All right, so let's turn the heat down a notch and go back to our toaster. How sentient should that machine be? I'm just having fun with the questions today. Um, I don't have an answer for that. You know, I, I am a commentator. I do have a viewpoint. But this debate isn't about me trying to shape public opinion. It's about trying to get people to understand that they have to think about this stuff and that we as a society have to decide these things because my viewpoint may not be for everyone. And we have to make these decisions about what artificial intelligence is going to become. You talk about it as though it's another species. Well, you hear a lot of cultural commentators talking about the period we live in now as being the Anthropocene era, so referring to a period where human beings can basically alter and design the world around them. Fake news and climate change. Well, thank you for saying that without exclamation marks for once. Um, you know, I've got this theory that uh, fake news and all its shoutiness was invented by pharmaceutical companies to boost sales of headache pills. But that's another episode. Um, yeah, so one of the hallmarks of that uh, Anthropocene era would be humans creating life, creating new species. AI isn't alive. I mean, that kind of depends on the way that you look at it. The current stuff we have isn't that's for sure but it could be in the future not in the sense of maybe being biologically alive but in the sense of being conscious and sentient and that's what brings us back to the ethics and toasters and sex robots when we talk about any of these super smart ai augmented devices right now we're talking about machines that are still pretty dumb even the companion robots um, that, that have smart chips, they're still just a program. It's a facsimile of a person or a conversation or a relationship. It's not actually an in-depth one. It's not real. Well, let's not get sidetracked by whether it's real <laughs> or not, because robot pets and other machines are being used in many behavioural therapies. They can reduce stress and offer genuine companionship that can reduce blood pressure, calm people with some degenerative brain disorders. So if you form that kind of attachment, then it is real. Uh, but weirdly, I'm kind of more interested in the rights of the machines themselves. The rights of a toaster. Well, that's where the ethics part comes in. It's why we have to decide these things as a society. You know, if you own something and that something is sentient and conscious, but you don't allow it to exercise its will, then basically you have a slave. So if you have a sex robot that has an independent personality, one that has developed... Uh, based on its own experiences, then that machine has to be capable of giving or withholding consent. It's hard to think of a toaster as a slave. And that's kind of why we have to change the way we think. You know, I just finished a really funny book called Battlestar Suburbia by mm. a guy called Chris McCrudden. Uh, I thoroughly recommend it to anyone who likes silly sci-fi and fantasy. <laughs> but it's about a society where people have been replaced by their sentient devices. Humans have been relegated to being cleaners because the machines still can't do waterproofing very well. 
and smartphones have become the new political class with mm-hmm. various other categories of machines in the society below them. You're worried of a new world order of machines, right? Well, personally, I'm not. But that depends on how we shape the arguments and the debate around artificial intelligence. So when we say we're creating a new species in the form of AI, we aren't talking about a species that is like us. I think it's dangerous to project those human characteristics onto the machines and assume that they would think like us or want the same things that we want. But surely the sentient machines would combine or at least act to save themselves if we threaten them. Of course. I mean, I can't imagine an intelligent species not doing what it could to protect itself. But that doesn't mean that we're at risk from AI. It means we have to understand what it is we're creating and create an environment that allows those machines to prosper. They may want to own property or earn money like we do. They may want to have days off. Or maybe the only thing they want from us is a guarantee that we will never constrict their movement in terms of data or ever turn the power off. In other words, far too much stuff for uh, what I've learned episode. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, I can probably hazard a fairly successful guess that we're going to come back to this topic in 2019. (laughs) So, you know, there isn't any rush other than the fact that we really should be rushing as a society to, to sort this out. And I know we're heading into a break now. So another thing we've come back to repeatedly this year is the kind of AI we have today and how it really isn't smart enough. Don't say it. I know you're going to say fake news again. <laughs> when we come back, what Matt's learned about letting me say fake news. BFM 89.9. Boss, can give me more data. I used up my quota. Boss, this phone is not working. I need a new phone. Boss, the new stuff needs a phone line also. Boss, 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 boss. 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 There's so much to do and so little time when you're managing a business. With Maxis One Business Flexi, you can manage your employees' mobile plans easily, anytime, anywhere. Get the one solution that lets you focus on what matters most, growing your business. Visit maxis.com.my slash onebusinessflexi for more info. Boss, can I also get a reason? Boring, fake, macho. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Before the break, Matt was on the topic of AI and we were about to talk about dumb intelligence. So Matt, why should we be letting AI get smarter? Well, there's a lot of debate about AI and you tend to find that a lot of experts talk about the existential threat that AI could potentially pose to humanity. Uh, Often that debate is slightly misphrased. It's not so much a problem with AI as much as as it is a problem with the information that we're putting into those machines. So... Typically, machine intelligence has a specific purpose. Uh, It's used to analyse natural speech, for example, or coordinate activity on a production line, or it helps you to fill in forms. So it's smart and dumb at the same time. Yeah, because it's great at that task that it's been assigned to, and it's pretty much terrible at everything else, which is probably what you want in a toaster, (laughs) but not what you want in an autonomous car. Mm. So we don't spend enough time thinking about how these algorithms and pieces of orphan code interact with each other when they come in contact with each other in the wild. We forget that when we put them online, that they can actually interact with each other, especially when those pieces of code are designed to create chaos and uncertainty. So we're not just talking about things like electoral interference. We're talking about trading firms using software that puts out fake buy and sell messages to try and confuse the bots that their rivals have sniffing out their trade. So, you know, it's kind of defeating this 
espionage thing that, mm. that all of the companies are playing against each other. And smarter AI would have a chance to decide whether it wants to be involved in this kind of stuff. I know it's counterintuitive and I've lost count of the number of times that I've <laughs> said that this year. You know, what would happen if the algorithms that had been used to spread fake news decided that they didn't want to do it? But isn't that the realm of science fiction? But we're getting into that stage of blurring reality and fiction. You know, you have big firms like Ford and Pepsi, even military alliances like NATO, who have reached out to consulting firms that actually bring science fiction writers mm. and thinkers in to talk to them about that kind of shape of society. It's called corporate visioning. Um, and it is something that Culture Pop does as well. So Brilliant. you look at the technology we have, the cultural shifts, how those technologies could potentially converge and merge. Um, in essence, it's kind of what uh, some of these episodes, MSP's more far-reaching shows are like, but uh, aimed more specifically at a kind of certain segment of business or a particular market. And how does that help to stop algorithms trolling us? Because making them intelligent enough to understand what trolling is, and then you can ask them if they want to be party to that. Um, people make silly decisions when they don't have the information. And of course, we can't expect machines to be any different. And that brings us back to something you mentioned earlier about the information we put into these programs. Yeah, so some of the uh, discontent and worry from AI scientists concerns the data we use to program the machines. So that could be uh, data sets that are hard-coded or given to them to learn from. And the unconscious bias that those information sources might feed in. Like race and gender. Um, just as a handy, for instance, I mean, let's say you gave AI access to pretty much all of history over the last couple of thousand years, all the books, all the information online. It could quite easily conclude that women only became intelligent in the 21st century mm. because they have been so underrepresented in historical accounts where the key figures often tend to be men it wouldn't understand the context of the struggle for equality and representation. And that same argument also goes for race. Because white people ruled the world for hundreds of years. Well, not just that. White people ruled over huge empires with population numbers that should have been able to overthrow them and, and take that, that kind of control mm. back. But history isn't so neat. So the last thing that you want is a machine that decides that white people are superior to other races based on factual information that lacks context and a sense of morality. Just to be clear, you're saying that white people are or aren't superior? Uh, no, no race is superior to <laughs> any other. I'm mm. going to be very clear about that. But the machine isn't going to know that. Yeah. So if we're talking about machines that are going to be smart and possibly even sentient, then the quality of the information that goes into them is going to be critical, especially when it gets to the point where those machines are themselves planning and programming the next generation of AI, and the one after that, and the one after that. We're supposed to be pushing this to around the happy bit by about this time around, but it's still sounding quite dark here, Matt. Well, it's not dark as long as we take the time to, to think, but okay, I do take your point. Um, let's talk about people instead. Now, one of the uh, most popular shows this year was uh, episode 36, which was licensed to serve. When you combine hatred, impatience and Star Wars. I, I think the show synopsis uh, was <laughs> more along the lines of tackling online hate speech by introducing a license to serve. But yes, you're pretty much there. Um, it's ensuring that people are licensed and insured before they go online. 
so obviously it was a facetious idea. The idea of an online license is, you know, it is ridiculous and it could be used as a tool for oppression and crushing dissent. But uh, quite a lot of people seemed, you know, taken with the idea. That we make people register to go online. Essentially, you know, we treat going online like learning to drive. You need a license and insurance to drive a car. So we call it the information superhighway. Mm. So let's treat it in the same way. We have a superhighway code. We have a set of criteria that governs how we behave online and a set of penalties for when you misbehave. Example? Well, like it's fine to be a passenger on the internet while drunk. It's like Ah, taking mm. a taxi home. (laughs) But as soon as you jump into the metaphorical driver's seat and start to tap out a post or comment, then you would get a fine. And of course, persistent violators would get their license taken away. What about online road rage? Well, we're seeing countries implement more penalties for what's said online. Uh, If you say you're going to kill someone or bomb their house, those comments can now be referred to the police in a lot of countries and the perpetrators can be charged and even jailed. So we tell people we want free speech online, but we don't want to set any standards or norms of decency. Mm. You know, you can disagree with someone without getting angry. You don't have to insult them. You don't have to degrade them. And of course, anonymity does also have its place because some countries are less safe places to be outspoken than others. But we forget that there is any personal responsibility involved in exercising that freedom of speech. I remember you saying that you wanted different tiers uh, to access the web. Yeah, sure. I mean, there could be training levels, you know, again, like the whole driving thing. You could have classes and you take tests and you progress. And then for the first year or two, you know, after you get your license, Mm. you can access a probationary tier of the internet, which you're graded on. You know that none of this is feasible, don't you? I know it's not practical, but we're already seeing this kind of action being brought in in the kind of social behaviour scores and apps that countries like China are using. And that's really a trend that I think we want to avoid because then you're in a situation where a government has this quite arbitrary control over your actions. They can effectively make people break friendships with you because being associated with you might negatively impact on their social score. Really? You're telling us to be nice? I'm just asking people to be civil. You know, we enjoy a lot of freedom on the internet, but Mm -hmm. we forget that a lot of the internet real estate is privately owned and privately owned tech companies don't have to guarantee you freedom of speech. They have to guarantee profits to shareholders. So we've seen companies like Reddit shut down controversial boards and Mm. dubious media like uh, Infowars being banned from most social media platforms. Even hosting companies and payment gateways have started to decline business from what they classify as hate sites. So these companies can ban people when public opinion or shareholder action necessitates. So we have to treat these rights we have online with respect or they can be taken away in you know, a huge number of different ways. And that brings me, I think, to the last thing I want to leave everyone with today. That the world isn't binary. Yes. You know, the truth is complicated. We aren't machines. We don't run on ones and zeros. The world is a nuanced and complicated place. Technology makes things easy to do, but complicated to understand. And that's disconcerting, I think, for a lot of people. Are we talking about certainty again? Well, the world is changing really fast and that's scary for a lot of people. You know, you get guys like me telling you that (laughs) robots are going to take your jobs and you're surrounded by technology and devices that the folks that sell them to you tell you that you don't need to understand. So we talk about AI developing languages and thought process that we can't understand. And a lot of people 
rightly wonder how life turned into an episode of the Twilight Zone, you know, so quickly. Somehow that makes you hopeful for the future. Well, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about people being very kind of passively accepting of the future. Um, so, you know, a lot of us used to worship at the temple of Apple. Mm. And I was in a room full of people yesterday and they were all talking about ditching their iPhones and uh, switching to Huawei's and other Android mm. manufacturers because we're starting to question things again. We're starting to look for our own answers. And yes, that means we might all fall into the conspiracy theory hole, <laughs> but I'm kind of optimistic for, for 2019. You know, I'm fairly sure that the economy globally is going to be pretty awful. But I think we're going to see a huge rise in grassroots movements and activism. And I'm really interested to see how those movements and actions are going to impact on this world of technology next year. And that is how we end on the happy, hopeful note. Well, I said I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful about other people. They might be miserable in making their actions, but I'm hopeful. Anyways, you can check out culturepop.com if you want to be, you know, to understand this uh, happy, hopeful note. <laughs> if you note. want to be miserable. <laughs> if you want to be yeah. miserable as well. <laughs> culturemiserable.com <laughs> Have a lovely uh, Christmas and also we'll be back with Geek Squawks after this BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.